statement in until I find out who his fucking vice presidential pick right. is. Right. Right. Which like, supporter was it that that attacked you with markers? That was a that was a Tom Steyer supporter. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, guys, we're live. We're live. I can't wait to go back to Iowa and fucking kill him. Um, what did I say? What? Um, <laughs> All right, so we, we have been having an interesting conversation over here, but we are live now. Big talk, little talk. Very chill today. I've got some special guests right now, but uh, I want to bring up this story that happened in Beirut, get their opinions on it. We also have somebody new to the channel, so we'll get to talk with them and their channel and what they're all about. So it's casual, big talk, little talk. Let me know how my volumes are. Let me know how everything is. Uh, keep us... Keep us good. Keep the quality up because we're also drinking tonight. So we need our designated tech support. Uh, all right. Let's start off with. <laughs> uh, oh, they can't see you. Hold on. See, this is what I'm talking about. Here we go. All right. Show that again there, Doc. Your sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> One has Everclear. The other has rum. Ooh. okay. Nice. Uh, so, Dak, you guys know Dak from his uh, his work that he does at overwritten.org. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, Franco over from Frank Analysis. Jeff currently uh, baking something, cooking something, maybe serving himself something, a beverage. We, we, we're not sure yet. So we're all waiting in anticipation. But he, uh, you know, he does the bitter pill on YouTube. So go check that okay. out. And then uh, read, right? So you do the, uh, what is the title of your, your whole thing? The Naturalist Capitalist triggers a lot of people. So tell us what the natural what natural capitalism is. All right. So I'm a libertarian, and I think that the uh, libertarian movement has really terrible messengers um, and is misrepresented. So my shtick is kind of bringing libertarianism to people who aren't libertarians instead of speaking in an echo chamber about legalizing heroin and rocket launchers. I try to bring it outside of those uh, factions. Uh, it's pretty successful. I reach out to people kind of all over the political spectrum and people realize they have um, a lot more in common with me than they'd like to admit. And then you can kind of pull them in that way. So, Very cool, very cool. So Jeff's back, Jeff from The Bitter Pill. Um, gentlemen, what do you guys make of all of this Beirut explosion stuff? I got an article up right now that people can see from AP saying fireworks and ammonium nitrate likely fueled Beirut explosion. Mm -hmm. A lot of people pointing the fingers towards Israel, but what's the, what's the general idea here from you guys? So we'll start uh, with Dak, Franco, then Jeff, then Reed. Go ahead. And oh, I've sorry, been... I'm forgetting Pierce. What am I doing? Pierce, oh, we Christ. are joined also by here. Let me. Let me bring Pierce. D Pierce, D Pierce SSD. <laughs> we can keep going. Yeah, that's fine. No, I totally forgot. Okay, here we go. Uh, how do I enlarge you? There we go. What's up, Pierce? Pierce from uh, D Pierce SSC. Did I get that right? Cool. How you doing? Excellent, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. Let's start with your reaction to this Beirut explosion. Um, we do a safety brief every Friday on the base that we're at. I was told, this is what, you know, we were discussing within the uh, Army, that it was a welding incident. Uh, it's funny, because the safety, it just kind of tied in with the theme of be safe over the weekend. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I don't really know what happened. I, I haven't read much on this, but yeah. It's awesome. unfortunate. A lot of people died. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, obviously. But Dak, you seem assured of yourself, buddy. Well, the the claim that it's a welding accident, the first thing that came to my mind was Austin Powers 3, where they said that Goldmember lost his penis in an unfortunate schmelting accident. If you want to call that a welding accident, holy mother of God. I, I was really interested in watching the videos of people going to their wedding. Apparently that was a popular day to have a wedding, and all of a sudden the church just implodes because of the ruckus. It kind of reminded me of... A friend of mine has a buddy who was locked in a mental institution on September 11th. Mm. And when he called him and said that planes are attacking the World Trade Center, he didn't believe it. And another one of his friends was at home tripping on LSD. And when he turned on the news, he thought it was a horror movie that was on every single channel. So I can only imagine what kind of horror they were going through in Beirut. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, if Israel did this, it certainly wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I was just more interested in the people on the ground, as it were, talking about how an idyllic day at the chapel turned into something out of a post-apocalyptic fantasy. Well, Jeff, we definitely cannot, you know, um, get close to, uh, you know, feeling what those people felt. But I think Dak's analogy kind of got us as close as possible. That was very intense. Uh, I felt like I was there, Dak. So thank you for that narration. and interpretation with your wording that was just on point uh jeff <laughs> go ahead man what do you think what what is this like this is crazy that sorry jeff and then franco and then reed <laughs> yeah i don't think anybody really knows yet except whoever uh, you know set it off um but i mean it could obviously um you know, israel and the united states are known to uh you know uh engage in sabotage uh, so who knows maybe uh, there's some uh, foreign involvement there um, <clears throat> but uh, you know you gotta wonder like why in the world is um, there was something like a thousand times the explosive uh, capability of the Oklahoma City uh, explosives uh, that were just sitting there in the port for years um, <laughs> so uh, and I know it's uh, really messed up and uh, corrupt and kind of tragic, the whole situation there with the government and the uh, economic calamity and so forth. But, you know, uh, no, nobody apparently took responsibility for doing something to, uh, you know, like get rid of this unsafe stuff. Well, that so. that's what all, all could be causing this, uh, you know, people to wonder, hey, you know, it, if nobody's claiming, hey, we did this, are we really going to believe that some Chinese fireworks set this off? You know, yeah. it just so happens they were all stored next to all this explosive stuff and at a very important port that's utilized by that, you know, by Beirut, by a lot of people. Uh, Franco, weigh in and then we'll cut to, to read. It's hard for me to believe that that was just fireworks. And I'm not a chemist here, but... That was a really big explosion here. That I, I don't think that it could have just been fireworks. And I I, what shocked me most is that I saw like a list showing like the biggest explosions in history, and it was number three behind uh, Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki. That is insane to me. 
um, and and rest in peace to all the lives there. And there was 80 people that are still missing. Um, and it's uh, I think that it's too coincidental for this to have, you know, be going on while Leb Lebanon right now is at its weakest point with their economic crisis. And uh, they've been having a lot of conflict with Israel, and Israel has just been bombing Syria recently. So I think that's something that, to consider here. Ree, what do you think, man? There's a lot of Israel being thrown around, I see. Um, that seems to be the leading, the leading thing. What's your, what's your perspective? Um, no one's really said anything here that I wouldn't have said. So, or I, sorry, I, uh, nothing has been left unsaid here. So I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, it's all speculation right now. It was terrifying to watch. Um, I think it's possible it was an accident. I don't think that's impossible, but also, it, you know, it is kind of, it is kind of sketchy and it's a really big explosion. So it seems like someone would be taking credit for it at this point if it was intentional. I don't know. So I, I really don't have an opinion one way or the other on it. How about this? Do you think that, do you think that the media and, and new media is too quick to try to put out stories and the, there's all these narratives out there? Do you think that's a problem? Yeah, it's going to be that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> I think that's all anyone does now. I think uh, I think people try to put a reason behind everything that happens. And uh, a lot of times, random things happen. And uh, the problem is when, uh, when you try to apply a reason for literally everything, when there is something sketchy that happens and the official story is not true, a lot of people don't even listen to you because you've tried to... Um, apply that to every single thing that happens in life so um yeah, i think people are too quick to assume and then uh, it, i don't think that ever ends in a good result yeah i agree i agree guys i mean i mean there's we pretty much said all we could right we were not entirely sure and is this connected possibly to other things right so how is lebanon you know if if this was intentional what was the intent and what was the motivation? So I think all of those things will come out eventually. As far as the media covering it, yeah, you know, that can cause some problems. Speculation can cause some problems. Uh, but I think it all gets hashed out, and I think it's good. I'd rather have that than nothing until we know all the – you know, this whole thing about waiting until we know all the facts. Well, with cases like this, you're never going to know all of the facts, right? I mean, that's not ever going to really happen. But I want to move on to these progressive wins and debate the issue of AOC because AOC is just a person. But anything that gets attached to AOC becomes this AOC, like, now she's got an ideology. Now she has, she's like this person that, kind of like Bernie, right? Like a Bernie Democrat, uh, that kind of thing. So, Dak, what, do you, what are your initial thoughts with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Because, you know, most of this panel is pretty leftist, so... I wanted to bring it up to y'all. Uh, I think she's a scarecrow, basically. I think what she does is she is the carrot that is dangled in front of the desperate young generation that really needs to get out of this student debt peonage. Um, but obviously she isn't going to change the system from within. And somebody posted a really great uh, cartoon the other day showing a grasshopper being swallowed by a bird and the grasshopper inside the bird's stomach says, I'm going to change the system from within. Um, that's basically Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The only difference between her and her supporters is that 
AOC is making quite a bit of money off of her endorsement deals and her recent, I believe it was uh, some kind of award nomination she received. Um, AOC might have a couple of halfway decent principles, but this idea that she's somehow a philosopher, that she's made some kind of novel original contribution to political philosophy is a crock. Um, right. It's just a watered down, neutered version of a kind of European quasi-socialist school of thought. So there's nothing original about her at all. It's like when Stefan Molyneux called himself a philosopher. I don't know what he was smoking when he said that, but he was no philosopher. AOC is no philosopher either. Um, is she better than uh, most of the people in Congress? Well, you can't get much worse. But but the idea that AOC is going to be the great redeemer of the American electorate, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay, and I think that that's fair. And I, I appreciate you adding that at the end, you know, that kind of, you know, if you're looking at it from that, you know, normal perspective, I guess from your perspective, it's kind of the normie take where it's like wow this better better than you know i would love to be proven wrong if there's a congressman or woman who's going to rise to the occasion and save america from itself i would love to be proven wrong it's just that i haven't been proven wrong yet so right but is it is it is it that you haven't been proven it yet um that this person's gonna rise up you know or or maybe we're not paying attention because there was a recent um election victory Franco, anybody can help me out here. She she came out of nowhere and she raised like $8,000 only or like 10k versus her Corey Bush. No, Corey Bush was the other one, but there was another black lady somewhere in I think maybe it was like a red state. Uh anyways, if anybody rem rem remembers her name, she, how about how about how about we talk about Joshua for Congress and how well his primary turned out? Joshua, who's this Joshua? Exactly, um, Joshua for Congress got less than one percent of the vote in his district in Washington, while the uh, woman who had a fraction of his Twitter following got twenty-one percent. Um, Joshua for Congress turned out to be as forgettable as his handle. Um, he was trounced pretty handily, and uh, yeah. What was, was he uh, running? It, it, I'm sorry. What was he running on? He was trying to be one of these progressives. You know, there's a lot of people who are trying to capitalize on the progressive yeah. frenzy that burst right. after Bernie Sanders and trying to take people's donation money. Well, hey, Franco, let me ask you this. Now that Dak brought that up, do you think that that's the case with a lot of these? Because, um, you know, I guess we can talk about this. Where these progressive victories, right, with Cory Bush, like Jeff said. Um, is she just capital? I mean, this person at one point was homeless. She's a nurse. She's basically the, you know, anime hero version of something Dak would write, you know, like that, that would be a protagonist, like bio of that character is like homeless, but now as a nurse helped people and, you know, is making us, that's the working class kind of heroic vision for a progressive. Is she milking the system or is she going to live up to... A lot of the progressives, you know, uh, values like what Dak was saying. She was, from what I from what I know about Cory Bush, she was the very first Justice Democrat candidate, um, and she lost in 2018, and now she won, uh, which shows that if you keep running, you still have a chance to win. And it is, we're seeing that the Overton window. Well, I'm not. I don't want to say the the Overton window too much, but. There is a demand for progressive policies, whether it be like we get half measures under AOC and Ilan Omar. People are voting for those ideas. 
And so those ideas are winning. It's the younger generation that is becoming more left. They're becoming more awake about the systemic problems in this country. So there is a demand for those kind of politicians. And that's just what, what Cory Bush just didn't give up. And that's a good point. What, what we need to remember, though, is that since you brought up AOC, is that we need to keep holding them accountable when they're not doing enough. You know, we can't just settle and be happy that they're in there. We have to keep calling them out when they're not doing enough and when they're letting themselves get pushed too much by Nancy Pelosi. And right now there is a lot of people who are just like settled by how AOC won and they're not looking into how she's not doing enough and they're being sycophantic towards her. Right. I think Franco brings up some good points, Reed. Let me turn, let me do a complete 180 though. Let's say this is detrimental, right? Let's say why not take advantage here and actually uproot the system and you know bring it down in a sense right in in many different facets what do you say to that those people who you know take that approach to say no let's take it all down should it all be brought down should it be completely reimagined yes it should be um i would like to hear a definition of progressive because progressives to me do not want to tear things down they uh talk a big game and then they vote with the middle all the time <laughs> and i uh I don't think the country is moving more to the right or more to the left. It's more to the middle of this corporate cronyism and this uh, oligarchical control. And people are sick of it. And I see progressives doing nothing but capitulating, uh, at least politicians. You know, maybe uh, supporters are angry at the politicians for not standing up for what they say they believe in. But I see them doing nothing but compromising. Um, you know, I think it was, uh, who was it? Was it Rashida Tlaib who didn't endorse Biden? Just one of them didn't. Who was it? Yeah, it was just Rashida Tlaib. And then some of them haven't even said anything yet. Right. So just no, saying that she won't endorse Biden is a revolutionary move. <laughs> you know, she's the only one who's done that. Um, so yeah. Mad. What's that? She, she, just, she just won. Uh, her 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 second term, Rashida yeah. Tlaib. Yeah, I mean, so I think right. uh, people would want to see more of that, and uh, I think they want people who are serious about um, uprooting the system and ending it. Uh, it's not something I see a lot from the progressive left. I, I hear it in um, I hear it a lot in rhetoric, but not in action. Right, Jeff. Let me ask you this: Does the does the progressive left, I guess, right? Do they take into consideration the facts that like our country is a federation, it's made up of basically smaller governments in these states, right? And that's what makes up the United States. So when we look at criticizing each one of these representatives, it's important to understand that what comes with those titles, right? And the type of system it makes up because if you don't understand that and you're just focused on what you want and the system you want, it makes it particularly difficult for you to navigate and change the system you're currently under, doesn't it? Well, I mean, it's, she, uh, like AOC, for example, promised uh, that she would do all these things when she came in. She, for example, promised Tulsi Gabbard that she would uh, co-sponsor the uh, All Fossil Fuels Act, Fuels Act and she is like never mentioned Tulsi Gabbard other than when she criticized her for uh, not supporting this uh, sham impeachment thing that the House Democrats pulled. 
Um, you know, uh, I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt uh, when she won but hadn't taken office yet. But, uh, you know, even at that point, she had uh, you know, praised John McCain to high heaven after he died. Um, and then uh, uh, just, uh, when was it, today or yesterday, she was gushing over uh, Corey Bush's win. Um, and uh, people were pointing out, hey, you didn't even endorse Cori Bush. So what the hell, man? You, you know, uh, you didn't support her. So now all of a sudden you're excited she won. Right. Um, so it's just, it's just really kind of phony. Right. Um, and there's definitely there's definitely, I think, room for that to happen. Right. But it seems like AOC just gets that kind of reaction for anything she does. I mean, arguably, she's one of the most divisive characters in politics right now, you know, AOC is. So, I mean, it's surprising to me that she still is willing to pander to progressives at this point, given how much criticism she's received, almost equal to the the amount she gets from the right. Me and Franco talked about this in a previous segment, where it's like, you know, you got to give a little love to these people, you mm -hmm. know, nope. uh, when they do something good, or else why would they continue to do something good for you? And why would it, you know, why, how is that going to make it easier or harder for them to be more susceptible towards like lobbyists and fundraising and kind of the Nancy Pelosi route where she's like, well, you know what, Nancy Pelosi, she's, hor you know, horribly vilified in the, in the progressive wing and she still keeps getting reelected time and time again. So maybe I should just secure my seat and start pandering to some of these bigger businesses who are woke. So I'll still retain my, my you know, faux-aggressive audience, my culture war people who are out there, you know, saying BLM, BLM, and all this other stuff, I'll still retain them and still get that corporate money and forget about these progressives whose high standards are just beyond anybody's, you know, uh, reach. So it's like strategy. Well, I mean, you know, if you're backed by a lot of money, uh, it's kind of hard to defeat you but uh you know aoc did it uh you know she beat uh crowley the uh you know, establishment uh congressman uh um what's his name uh new york bowman beat uh Engel, so you know, it can't happen um but uh i mean you know certainly i'm willing to give aoc credit when she does something right i thought her uh, uh cool. response to the attack on her by that republican uh colleague in the house was uh great uh right you know, so i gave her credit for that um but uh, do you think that everybody should, should goal, wait, 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 wait. yeah go ahead franco the goal here is to unseat people like nancy pelosi and to wake more people up about this so if you're pandering to the people who keep reelecting nancy pelosi or you're just you're not contributing to the purpose for why people elected you you're supposed to be waking these people up and realizing why nancy pelosi is bad so when you're when you're like calling Nancy Pelosi mama bear, you're capitulating with the people that you're supposed to be fighting against. And that's not the reason for why we try to bring people like AOC into Congress. Right. Let me let me bring Dak or not Dak. Sorry. Let me bring Pierce in here for a second. So, Pierce, go ahead and react to some of the things that have uh, you've heard. And I'll let you have kind of the last word on this issue. But also, um, do you think that you know, these candidates, these progressive victories, at, at some, to some degree, should they be encouraged? Should they be praised? And, and go ahead. 
Um, to answer that last question, sure. Uh, to the extent that we can get marginally better politics, that would be good for America if these things would pass. But um, I guess I'm going to get into what I was going to say. Israel, you kind of hinted at the states' rights, kind of every state being their own laboratory of democracy, and then we're all together. Um, what it reminded me of was the movie Network that came out in the 1970s. Uh, I hope I'm not spoiling this movie for anyone. It's a really good movie if you want to watch it anyways. But at the end, the main character, Howard Beale, he's like this reporter that was like, you know, on his way out. But then he gets this revelation from God and he starts like speaking the truth to Americans on the news. And the ratings are just like skyrocketing because he's like telling people how it is. He's not just like parroting, you know, corporate nonsense. He meets up at the end of the movie with a basic like representative like a monopoly man kind of you know he's like a stand-in for the powerful corporate man that controls everything right. and that guy goes that guy goes there aren't any states there aren't any nations there are only multinational corporations and so i ask you i ask our audience like what i mean what do you think can be accomplished in a nation where corporations just own the media they own the military and they own our government so to contextualize the way that um, Reed and and Dak were doing, like we, I mean, first of all, we have like an unelected professional bureaucracy. Some people want to call it the deep state and think it's a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. Like there are these people that we elect in our corporate system, and then there are the corporate people that are not elected that are also running our nation. Now, just to draw down and talk about the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is more of a, like, left-bound. They're not a leftist party. They're, like, corporate liberal pro-war. And the last thing that I will say is that yeah. I think that we confuse the direction that America is going with these stories about political personalities. AOC said this. Bernie didn't say this. Elizabeth Warren said this. Oh, Cory Booker, like, he's becoming more left. He's turning more to the right. Uh, Beto wants to take your guns. Like... This is the stand-in for, like, what is occurring in America. These conversations about fucking personalities. And uh, I think it's a mistake to confuse also the advancement of so-called progressives, like, running in a corporate system and being able to win as an advancement of America, like, you know, like, America getting better. Like, is America getting better because progressives are getting better at the electioneering game? The electioneering game is the problem. The corporatism is the problem. The oligarchy is the problem. Well, All the wars the, it's, are it, the it problem. It kind of becomes a question of chicken or the egg, right? Because our culture also drives that, right? We love to feed into these kinds of things, right? By uh, voting, by voting with it, with our dollars for it, voting with our time for it. So we perpetuate that in our culture, and our culture cultivates these politicians who get into power, and of course they envision that Hollywood-esque, that culture-driven you know, driven, uh, vision of, of the American dream, which is, let me make my money. You know, the black community drives that. Come on, you can't even push back on me with that. The American community put, you know, pushes that as well. Gangster, you know, gangster culture, all of that. So in a way, aren't conservatives kind of driving a decent point? And it reads kind of an independent. So let me throw this question to him. Um, it, does culture play a part in all of this, right? Because the conservatives push the culture war. They say the reason it's important is because it drives a lot of what Pierce is outlining, which is economic consequences. 
right? Effects that happen from economic policies. But if we had a strong culture, then it might be a little bit different. What do you make of that? Do you think that there's a correlation there? Um, I mean, I think we have a consumer culture that's just about buying things you can't afford, living beyond your means, and that that is success. And I think that feeds in to what the people in charge want, because the more we buy, the more we spend, the deeper into debt we go and become slaves to uh, jobs that don't pay well, all these things, um, you know, the more successful they are. So I think it's a cultural problem that is by design and it's fueled by advertisements, movies, you know, people that we look up to in society as successful and we're lied to as far as how you can become successful, how you can become independent, how you can live a life free of debt. You know, we're just lied to uh, as to how we get to any of these objectives through education, in uh, culture. And I, I think it's all intentional because it keeps the people who are um, at the top in charge. And uh, right. yeah. So um, Dak, this whole idea of intentional, right? And the reason I say it's like a chicken or egg thing is because it's like, did the culture cultivate the politician? Did the politician cultivate the culture through his policies and him selling out or her selling out? So, you know, and I don't know if we'll ever know. I mean, you can look at history. We can go through all kinds of like descriptions. But at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, when we say, oh, we, we elected these, you know, we allowed this. A lot of people don't vote. A lot of people just don't come out and vote. That's the problem uh, Bernie ran into in the primary where he bet on the young people and people who are woke to come out and say, you know what, enough's enough. Let me use my election power to do something. What do you think of election power? Useful or not useful? Uh, fictitious. Fictitious. Go ahead and elaborate. I, I, you, you, well, you were asking about whether you know we have a strong culture or a weak culture. There's no such thing. There's either a culture or there's the absence of a culture. Here in the United States, we don't have a culture. We have malignancy. We have consumption. We have excess. We have superficiality. Come on, we um, have culture, we have... man. We have culture. No, you can't we don't. Say, we have wait, answer. Wait, let me ask you a question then, Dak, a follow-up question you can kind of laser in on. So you're telling me sure. that you're dismissing the African-American community's culture of hip-hop and overcoming disparity and, you know, uh, I guess you can say uh, releasing that through art, through music. That's not contributed to our overall culture. And take other communities, not just black communities, but white communities you know, classical music. You, come on. We have I wasn't a culture. aware that America. I wasn't. I wasn't aware that America had been producing classical music. Well, um, I wasn't aware that Bach was yeah, an American. Yeah. Um, the, the the thing is that they're derivatives of it because of the British Empire. They're derivatives of it. Let's not debate Bach this. Bach was not British. Let's um, not debate this. Here's, here's the thing. It's part here's of Europe. The here's the issue. That's not America. Um, here's the issue. Um, the issue is that every single example you can cite of quality American culture, quote unquote, is actually a countercultural force. Um, 
every like the the works of John Steinbeck. What was John Steinbeck writing about? How horrifying. Well, then you can't have counterculture if you don't have culture. You can't have counterculture if you're not even acknowledging that we have a culture. No, 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 no. Those works of art are attacking what passes for culture in America, but is really just a sickening symptom of the capitalist, the neo-capitalist. It doesn't matter. The perception makes it real. The perception makes the culture real. What's happening is, uh, take 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 the last film that liberals and conservatives agreed upon, which was the film American Beauty, released in 1999. That film was nothing but an attack on everything that is American. That is not culture. That is a kind of nihilistic examination of what is wrong with America. It, it, it isn't culture in any kind of practical sense. You can look at the works of John Steinbeck. You can work look at the works of any classical American author, and you can see that it's all about tearing down this false image that we have of the United States. Right. That's not culture. That's saying, why don't we create a culture? All right. Well, I don't know how we can get past this because I think that you're undermining what all Americans have contributed to our culture as a multicultural country, the yes. very first, the very only. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I'm undermining it, saying it's terrible. It's terrible. So, okay. All right. Um, Jeff, let me bring you, or yeah, let me bring Jeff in here. Jeff, go ahead and comment on that and then uh, we'll move on to the next topic. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, there are critics of American society. There are people who um, just you know express themselves in whatever artistic way they wish. Uh, I don't know why that's not culture or you know it's sports is part of culture. Right. So you do think America has a culture, right? Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right, all right. I don't want to get stuck up on that, but it's very easy. You're making a very easy deck to like get sucked back into that because, like, yeah, we do have a I culture. But uh, anyways, ask one question. Right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, one thing about our culture is that we're definitely stuck in this two-party system idea, right? I mean, we can all agree on that. I think that this duopoly thing, most of America has allowed it, in my opinion, allowed it because. You know, if you don't go out and vote, if you don't overwhelm the system, that's on you. And you can say, well, they're not educated. Well, there's ways to get educated. It's just people choose not to participate. Not participating is a choice. It's not always, well, the system didn't want me to see, man. It was covering my eyes through its many tentacled, you know, controls that it has over us. Um, <laughs> uh, let me bring in Pierce for that one. I, I got to start with Pierce on that one. Yeah, you can ask me a question after, but I was really going to just add one sentence. We have a culture of war, austerity, and consumerism, like buying shit, you know. Oh, definitely. Um, was that voted on by the American people through their dollars and their, you know, w unwillingness so, to participate? Ever since I had that conversation with Josh of the New Progressive Voice, um, something just clicked in me. Like, I had that conversation with him a long time ago, and I was just like... Damn, I lost my train of thought. Well, oh, yeah. So I, I was like, it, we keep focusing on electoral politics. I mean, like you brought up black people and it's very I mean, you important. brought up their culture. But 
But even before that, you talked about how, like, I don't know, as I think you were hinting at how, like, black people are, like, part of the Democratic Party cohort. Big I time. see that as a as a degradation. That's not advancement. Like, you gave away movement politics. Would it be different if it was the Republican Party? Your own community. I mean, the Republicans do the same thing with poor white people. It's just, like, the rhetoric is different. The tactic is different. Like, we're going to cater to your reptile brain in the Republican Party and convince you that your country's being taken away from you, that uh, it's being given to other undeserving others. And in the Democratic Party, we talk about how, I don't know, how awesome change is going to be, but we mostly keep it to kind of social, cultural contexts, which I feel like that kind of stuff advances on its own when you you know, figure out the economics for a community, for communities, uh, and we just don't have so much war. I mean, if the majority of the thing that America does is foreign policy, we just have less room for domestic policy. And we don't do a lot of domestic policy. I mean, again, we have a culture of war, which leads to all the austerity. And, you know, then we're telling people to buy shit. And you're kind of socially controlled, in a sense, as well, like Reed was saying, because we end up buying all the shit. But then that makes you, like... That, that makes you stuck to like your monthly bills and right, you find stuff that you can't afford and it keeps you in your job and you know it's, let me ask, take care of our- let me ask this question and um, yeah I guess Pier- Pierce you can answer this since it's basically tailored towards you it's basically about what you just said because when when you were talking I was thinking about okay now does does like Francisco who works you know who works construction or you know, he's like a helping hand or, you know, any any kind of like labored worker, right? Immigrant worker, person of color. Where do they fit in into this kind of model that you're describing? Because, you know, they they're they're not being suppressed from, you know, very socialist church organizations. They're not being suppressed away from Green Party canvassers. They're not being suppressed away from, you know, anything. Right. It's. I mean, you can argue that on social media that some some voices are suppressed, but they have access to this. So they're choosing, in a sense, to go with what they see and what they prefer, which is this model. Okay. Take, for example, this shutdown. It has oh, hurt. It has hurt those people because they they can no longer work. Go ahead. What was your what? You said you're going to ask me something about uh, these like laborers. Oh, and you how know, they I got to preach in. first, brother. You know, I got to do my thing first. Oh, yeah, sure. Before I set you up. Yeah, so that was my question. It's just, do you think that, uh, like, what, what, where do they fit in, is my question, basically, in your model. Where do these people fit in? Because what you're saying is, is fine, but what rules, what's making it harder for your team, your idea, people who push what you want to, to, to play in the field? What is specifically? Um. I guess to keep it short, what's keeping leftists um, from, you know, taking the reins of American politics and actually taking care of our own people, I think that leftists want to take care of all Americans. It's not just like pro-black, like pro-Latino, like that's not really my game. And I, um, anyways, that's what leftists want to do. We want less war and we want to take care of our own people and we want to get out of the business of other nations. But, you know, like, the people that control this nation, like we talked about before, are kind of corporate, oligarchical, pro-war forces. Uh, and I will just end by switching topics to what you brought up before and say that manual labor, this is not political, but still an area of interest for me because I, I just love thinking about kind of like psychology and even neuroscience in a sense, especially related to 
how humans, like what humans have been for a longer period of time as opposed to what we've recently become, kind of creatures of modernity, but we still have that animal brain inside us. I think that manual labor is unfortunately, like, in terms of being profitable, like, it's kind of leaving us, and that's sad because there's a lot of, what would you say, people get a lot of satisfaction from manual labor. Um, there was a time where I was living in Guatemala, and I was there doing economic research intern. I was an in economic research intern, but sometimes I would just go and dig holes for another project that the nonprofit I was working with was doing. And honestly, like, I really enjoyed digging holes. Like, it was fucking fun. It was just me and all my buddies, and we were, like, dr day drinking and digking holes and, like, you know, all in a day's work getting paid. <laughs> like, Did right. you ever read the book Holes by Louis Satchar? Yes, I read you, that you book. You could be the character Zero. I like to dig holes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read the book, but I did not watch the movie. I think everybody's read the book, right? Uh, Franco, have you read that book? I read the book, and isn't I also that mandatory? Saw like third books. grade, fifth grade. We were in fifth grade, and I remember. Yeah, I was in uh, fifth grade. I have a funny story about that, but I don't want to go on a tangent. <laughs> well, I love look, digging holes. Hey, Pierce, I think you brought up. Look, you bring up some good points. I just feel like, you know, at the end of the day, we all. <laughs> Of course, you would have a DVD copy. I hope that's Blu-ray at least. It's still it's in the packaging. Blu-ray, 4K, twenty-five thousand. Okay. It's still in the packaging. That's gonna be worth a lot of money one day. Yeah, I, I hope don't think so. holes is I gonna be VHS worth that much. I think VHS was still out back then. You could have. I like oh, VHS. Those are rare. They're only five <laughs> in existence. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, I wanna I wanna open up the discussion a little bit. It's gonna be about Trump and Biden and the election. Uh, what that oh, means to each one of you. My favorite topic. My specialty, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you guys think that electoral politics is such a joke, but it's a representative democracy where one person's it going is. to represent <laughs> your district. It's a representative <laughs> oligarchy. That's a good fucking joke, dude. Oh, my God. All the right, system yeah, we live in is a good joke, Jack. I can't wait. What's that? The system we live in is a good joke. Yeah, yes. I, I would love to debate Tulsi Gabbard for the nine millionth time in my pathetic fucking life. But yeah, let's go ahead to the Joe Biden, Donald Trump, friggin' whatever the hell is the difference between the two of them game. Where, you're where gonna you be the add? difference, Dak. You're gonna, your, your opinion's going to change minds. Let's hope not. All right, what, what did you want to ask me? All right, we'll start with Dak then. So Dak, you think that, okay, yeah. so Biden and Trump, is there a difference? Um, yes. The Democratic Party is tease and denial. The Republican Party is active sodomization. That is the difference. <laughs> um, okay, that's good. That's good. If that's how you look at it, you know. Dak's a very simple man, ladies and gentlemen. You know, it's, it's <laughs> devils and angels. <laughs> yeah. Were you going to ask something about Biden's vice presidential pick? Because I do actually have something to say about that. Well, we know it's between Kamala Harris and that Susan Rice lady, mostly. Yes, we do. You love Susan Rice, right? You love all her interventionist policies. Rice. Yeah, her her international terrorism, her war crimes, yeah, yeah. Um, as opposed to Kamala Harris. It's basically the difference between a Nazi and a stormtrooper. Wow. Um, except the stormtrooper is probably more graceful. Um this is what I think about the vice presidential pick for Joe Biden. Everybody's waiting eagerly. I need to tell you guys about what happened to me yesterday. 
This is true, by the way. I went to the doctor's office to complain about pelvic pain. And I've got a substitute doctor. I've never met him before. He's speaking with a very thick Mexican accent. And he's speaking through a face mask and a face shield. He asks me to take my pants off. So I say, sure. I take my pants off and my underwear. And he starts fondling my balls to see if I have any kind of, like, issues with my testicles. Like any kind of torn tendon or whatever. He fondles my balls for a couple of seconds. And then he tells me to put my pants on. Having that middle-aged man fondle my balls in the cold clinical office was a hundred times more satisfying than Joe Biden's selection of his vice presidential nominee will be. Well, that seems like a personal problem, Dak, but I appreciate that you didn't judge <laughs> yeah, the man. Yeah, that's not a problem. I'm jealous. <laughs> I appreciate you didn't judge the man based on his, uh, you know, his nationality. So that's or his gender. You know, yeah. I'm sure he was short enough too to get a good, comfortable grip on that. He was sitting in a stool. I was standing up there with my pants off. And, you know, it just, it really helped me to understand, whoa, politics is even more disappointing than this. Ah, yeah. So, well, there's Dak's response, you know, at, a, at, at some office. Cold environment, appropriate place to think of politics, right? When somebody has his hands on, on your stuff. So, all right. Um, what do you? What? What about you, uh, Pierce? Um. So, I mean, I constantly make this joke uh, that I think that he should pick Tulsi Gabbard, and you know, I don't think that Tulsi Gabbard's perfect, but she's at least anti-war, anti-interventionist. Uh, and then Joe Biden should shoot himself. It really doesn't matter who he picks. If he picks, like, I think the decision will come down to who's it killed matters. more people. Susan Rice or Kamala Harris, like, who's led to more death? And Joe Biden's going to pick the one that, you know, is uh, higher on that count. Right, look, yeah. Look, folks, like, I if, think you, right. if you guys think that if you guys think that there's a difference at this point between Joe Biden and Trump, like, in the grand scheme of things, um, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I have a master's in politics. I, I take this stuff extremely seriously. Like, but you got to look at the big scale context of this, like. You know, that's the thing, right, um, Franco? Case. That's the thing is that we say that we need to look at the big, big picture of this, but then we generalize like Kamala Harris as an example. Well, her record shows us, you know, she's probably going to be what light-handed on police issues. She was a district attorney, so her entire fiduciary agreement was was towards you know uh, backing California, backing the state, backing the that position versus whoever was on trial. Could I, could I ask a question um, to yeah. you, Israel? Like, so this is my opinion. I think that jails and police are kind of like a cap. Like it, it, it's like you don't invest. So now you need prisons and police like that kind of system, like that kind of person being vice president. I mean, she's not going to be president, but like, I mean, doesn't it kind of show you like the mentality of the U S like, we're we're putting caps on things like we much yeah, rather. Yeah, but it's, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give up on it. I'm gonna say okay, let me let me see how I can work with this because I'm not getting anywhere right now with the current administration. So with this next administration, even if it's Kamala Harris, I'm looking at okay, strategically, what do we know about Kamala Harris? Well, we know her voting record when it comes to policing issues is definitely heavy-handedly influenced by the Francos of the world and his reporting and the people who are out on the streets doing BLM and stuff like that. She's receptive to it to the point where she goes out, wears her mask, risks her life, I guess, if you believe in all of that, 
um, to walk with those people. And I see you kind of dawdling around, but what's what's that all about? Like, don't you appreciate that she at least goes out there and does this? That, oh my God, she's at least susceptible to this protest effort. The last thing that I want to add is, um, I think it's unfortunate that we have to spend so much time talking about these personalities when nothing's really changing. I think that we're on our own, and I think that no, our time would be better spent reading good books. I agree, but Pierce, here's the thing is we're in a representative. We pick one person to represent a district of thousands of people. We don't do direct ballot voting. We don't say, okay, what's going to be the budget? Is it going to be 50 Maybe mil? Democracy Is it going to be 40 mil? Let's put it on a ballot and let's let every American decide on it. We have representatives that go to Congress, go to the Senate, makes it That's why people emphasize electoral politics over other things because they're the pushers of the um, ideas. The people who create and cultivate the ideas are the activists, the people who read books like you. So, of course, you are important. That element is important. So is the street activism, but it's all in unison. If it works in unison towards pressuring the representative, i.e., the representative represents the people. That you know, Yeah, you can say that's stupid because it really doesn't because of money, but you have to believe in the system somewhat. You have to buy into the system a Why? little bit. Why? Because if you don't buy into the system, then what's the point? Like, what's the point of even, like, at that point, you're either Antifa or you're, like, a far-right NSM National Socialist Movement guy. No, I mean, I don't think that. That last part, I mean, I don't think that just because you don't believe in American democracy, and I, I think that we kind of assume that democracy is, like, just the highest form of, you know, social, like, ongoing social organization. Yeah, I, I don't really have too much to add, man. Um, I wish that things were better. It's just like they're not. Like they're not right. going to get better through this system because, like you mentioned, the money kind of skews everything. Like telling people to have hope is fine and all, but we have to look at things realistically. Like if the money skews things to an extent so much that corporations are usually getting what they want and like people's votes are fairly negligible and the, there's not too much of a distinction in economics and foreign policy between the two parties, then what you call American democracy is kind of like a front. It's like a money washing operation, you know, like. Right, but, okay, so let's let's bring in, uh, so Jeff and Reed haven't really had a time to speak. Um, Jeff, I'll start with you real quick. What do you think, man? What do you make of that? that? Because I think that it's important. I'm not saying everything else isn't important, right? But, I mean, you have to buy into the system a little bit, right, Jeff? Of course not. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, look, look at the amount of effort the Democratic Party establishment went to to make sure that Bernie Sanders was not the nominee, you know, and not, you know, Bernie Sanders certainly wouldn't have been perfect by any means. No uh, high-level politician is, but, uh, you know, he was uh, perceived as a threat, so they... They got rid of him as quick as they could. And who did they uh, put up in his place? Joe Biden, a, a racist, rapist, warmongering, you know, uh, corporate uh, crony um, who inspires no enthusiasm among the public. Uh, he's fucking demented, mm -hmm. um, you know. Uh, so how much do these people that are telling us, you must vote for Biden, we have to defeat Trump, how much do they really care about that versus how much did they care about making sure that Bernie Sanders wasn't the nominee? I think the All right, well, pretty... let me ask you a question, and, Jeff. Uh, and secondly, um, <laughs> you know, uh, 
the other day, Bernie tweeted about uh, you know ten reasons why we must uh, vote for Biden to defeat Trump. All ten of them were about Trump. He said nothing about Joe Biden. And then when you looked at Biden, all ten of those things that he said about Trump were also true of Biden. So Jeff, <laughs> let me ask you a question: Would you get anything different from Biden that you're getting from Trump right now? Would Biden, in your opinion, be sending federales in? to round up people in unmarked vehicles with unmarked uniforms in the midst of the yeah. night. He made it legal. Well, that was would, his pet project. Yes. Would Trump have uh, militarized, militarized the police and uh, sent uh, and you know, smashed uh, Occupy Wall Street and smashed Ferguson and so, on and so forth? Mm -hmm. uh, of course he would have. And you know, that's what the Obama-Biden administration did. You know? Right. Right. And so outlets like TYT and then other outlets started popping up as a resistance effort. So it doesn't seem like there's any change yeah. in the ability for the resistance to oh, cultivate horrible. itself. So if you book. if that there's no change there, why are, why why is the left so so uh, repulsed by the idea of a Biden administration? If they say there's not even going to be a slight difference between Biden and Trump. I'll let Franco Franco go ahead, man. And what about Reed? Why oh, sorry, Reed. Go ahead, Reed. Go ahead, Reed. A lot of people are more Franco, afraid. Let's give Reed. Let's, let's give Reed some time. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. He already, Reed. he already started answering. Oh, all right. Oh, Bouncing it all back right. to Franco. Sorry, I, I'm just gonna say people are afraid of a Biden presidency because it could mean possibly 12 years of more neoliberalism because he's already said, and many people have already said, his VP is going to take over after him. And what, are you gonna do? what are you going to do? Are you just going to lie down? No, we're going to vote for okay. for, um, for for down ballot candidates who are progressive. But that's if he gets elected, though. But we don't have to vote for him. Why would we reward him if he's not offering us anything to vote for him for? Other than that he's better than Trump, even though, you know, he's he's the one that set up the system for a Trump. Right. to do all the shit that he's doing right now. Well, Marcus Will, thank you for the two euros, I think. Uh, Bernie Sanders wasn't seen as a threat. His supporters were. Um, go ahead, Reed. What do you make of it? We heard Franco out. What about, what do you say? Oh, same question or just comments in general on what we're talking about? No, same question, like specific answer. Which is, why, why should the left not want a Biden presidency? Is that what the question was if it doesn't matter either way if it doesn't matter either way but there are some small environmental benefits to having biden in in the sense that these people are at least somewhat receptive to you you know you're literally the grandchildren or the children or the aunts or the uncles or the cousins of these boomers who are fucking liberal who vote for biden so they have you have their ear you have the ear of their electorate if you can fucking influence them then maybe you'll have some fucking change that benefits everybody. So it's important to remember I'm not a leftist, but I would, I mean, if I were a leftist, I would not see any benefit in voting for Biden. Uh, my personal take on it is that we're past the point of no return uh, in a lot of areas. I think we're on the way down. And I kind of am of the thought now that if we can't, get representative government and responsible budgeting we might as well just speed the train up and let it just go off the cliff because the longer we continue this sort of like back and forth 
ridiculousness. It's just making the day of reckoning even worse. Uh, we might as well just get to the point where we're defaulting on our debt, where our okay. government's just falling apart and start over because uh, I, I get uh, it. That's <laughs> no, I get it, Reed. But the problem is, is that that makes a horrible marketing and PR strategy. The Lincoln Project. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, my marketing strategy uh, strategy I have a marketing strategy but I'm saying if uh, things are not headed that way then I just I'm fine with just pushing the train faster off the cliff and I think right. they both bring it in different ways I don't think one's any all right but the cliff means civil war that's the problem is the cliff means nice. civil war uh, it does it. but it does okay I just uh, Pierce one. if Dak will allow Dak will you allow Pierce some time a minute just I just want one thing um, absolutely so, um what Reed is talking about is usually referred to as accelerationism or, yeah, accelerationism. Towards what? Where, Towards what? Well, America's already on the decline. Um, you can see because of all the wars, like it's the only thing kind of holding us together um, in the war economy, I mean. And, you know, we're doing a lot of damage abroad and to ourselves. So you want it to end, right? Uh, and one of the things that I think Trump would be, and I shouldn't talk about the commander in chief, um, but... <laughs> I don't want this like Obama pacifying milk of the poppy effect on the population. I actually kind of like the current administration as a face for who we truly are as Americans, not us as people. I think that most people are good, but our government, our state, like the, the, the government of the United States of America is awful. It is awful. And like, I mean, yeah, like it's a face on accelerationism at least. Now, if you could have like, eight more years of Obama, would you want that? I would think that that's worse than the current administration because that's like, you know, that milk of the poppy, Sandman effect. Yeah, but you gotta where... list you gotta list things that are have benefited this country from Trump. List me at least one. Exposure um, to how horrible everything is. <laughs> exposure to how horrible everything is. Let's let's I let's, the Korea thing. I thought the Korea thing was awesome. Right, the Korea thing that was already being led by South Korea, right? That South Korea was already taking the lead on that. And Trump just that's put true. his face on it. That's I mean that's true. That's what would would Hillary Clinton have done that? Would Hillary no. Clinton have done that? I don't think Hillary Clinton would have declared World War Three with North Korea though, Franco. Come on. But then Trump had peace talks, though, and she was about she was very aggressive towards Syria. And let's not forget her horrible record as Secretary of State. How would that have transitioned we to her? Be at war with right, we can say all of that, but she's not president. Trump is, and he's on the brink of you, losing. Yeah, but her for she's, a, she's a liberal Democrat, though. So we're we're so we're discussing sense. what would happen on the neoliberal Democrat. Which but is Biden, Biden is in Hillary, and that strategy has failed. He's worse. Can I just say one thing. Yeah, go ahead, Reed. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, as far as what he was saying earlier about uh, uh, Biden and Trump, Trump being more of an accelerationist, I don't necessarily think that's true because I think whether something is explicit or sort of mushy and you know uh, disguised as being good, like he was saying Obama was, I think they're the same policies and they're pushing us toward the cliff just as quickly. Uh, so maybe the public's awareness of how fast we're approaching that cliff will be different. But if you get that's important. Trump or Biden, the same things are going to happen pretty much with small differences. So I don't see one as more accelerationist than the other. You know, I think it's kind of you know, take. That's a good point. I disagree with Reed there. All right, Jeff, I'll give you the last word on this whole Biden-Trump thing. 
Well, I just want wonder with uh, all these progressives that are saying, well, you know, at least if you live in a swing state where your vote might matter, you should uh, vote for Biden. Like, wh where's the line for these guys? Like, wh where do they draw the line? I mean, uh, you know, uh, back in the 1800s, there were you know, people of a similar mentality pushing black people who had the right to vote to vote for a slave owner because he was a lesser evil. Uh, like So, like, is there any point at which, you know, a Democrat is so bad that these people won't advocate voting for him? I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like there is. Hey, Jeff, but what about the Supreme Court? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fuck the Supreme what Court. About what about the 98 to 0 uh, approval, you know, every single Democrat unanimously approving Antonin Scalia or, you know, many other cases like that? You know, what about all the Democrat approval of Trump's nominees for judges, you know? All right. All right. So that was great, guys. That was really great. I appreciate it. Um, I think we got to a lot of things, you know, we... we Look, we opened the door. We talked about it. We had a discussion. Um, let's get into some comments because I know you guys have other things to do. So I just want to kind of wrap on that. Uh, Dak, did you have something to say? Last word? Yeah, I definitely believe that there are some holes in your analysis of the uh, Biden-Trump <laughs> dichotomy. Um, one good thing that came out of the Trump administration, yours truly was radicalized. You don't even want to know who I voted for in 2016. But because Donald Trump came into office, it turned me into the radical freak that I am today. Without Donald Trump going on the warpath, I never would have gone up to all those Democrats and asked them where they stand on the case of Julian Assange. So you can thank Donald Trump for inspiring me to be the kind of human being, the respectable person that you see sitting before you today. Um, so it was like that guy wrote on Twitter, Trump is the alarm, Biden is the snooze button. What are you going to do? You got to wake up. That's perfect. That's pretty good there, uh, Dak. Thanks. Oh, and I like Marcus Will just gave us another three pounds of ISIS money. That's very good. Yes, gonna, very good. Uh, we have to fund our uh, radical team here. Yeah. What is that? Uh, what character is that? The bird? I think it's someone <laughs> from Chicken Run, isn't it? No, it's not. Fuck. Well, let's... Chicken nugget? Comments. Let's hear the comments. Let's go. I just watched Chicken Run the other night. It looks like someone from Chicken Run. That's a good movie. What, what year did that come out in? Anybody know? The year 2000. Or 2000. 2000. That's, a, that's a good movie. I like that movie. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at some of these chats here. Ooh, so really one says, ones. I find the interest that YouTube independent media, quote unquote, uh, keep us occupied since 2015 on the elections, quote unquote, uh, consecutive two year seasons. So I guess they're criticizing us for kind of doing this like that's what I tell Franco is like Franco I tell you all the time right that uh, sometimes I feel like we're taking the mistakes of our parents you know TYT and all these and then like you know mainstream media and we're just TYT applying them to to the lower levels of of media. Yeah, but we're talking doing about the that TYT doesn't do, and that's that we're not creating an echo chamber here, and we're bringing in a bunch of other voices here to try to understand each other. Right. Uh, TYT doesn't do that. 
I, I think what the commenter was trying to say is that we are focused on the horse race just as much as mainstream media. Like, we are focused on the personality electoral politics discussion. And, yeah, we have a different take on it, but we're not actually talking about anything important. Um, yeah, that's from 2-Bit Rasputin, by the way. 2-Bit Rasputin put that out. He also says, FBI knows Kamala and Dennis Harry Herrera is an actual embezzler of millions of San Francisco City funds. So she's totally controlled. She's perfect for Joe. Uh, Re-elect Trump Democrat ticket, quote unquote. So, all right. It looks like I have more people against this idea that I'm pushing versus you guys. That's great. I love when that ever. But you want Kamala for VP? Is, is that what no, you want? No, what I'm saying is I don't, I don't think it matters either way. I think I'd rather have that uh -oh. environment. I don't buy into this. The, the progressive movement goes to sleep. That's the only thing about it. Not the progressive movement, but other the normies are going to go to sleep. Who cares? Gonna... You guys don't even care about them. You don't fight for their votes. What do you mean? Trying to wake them up? What do you mean? I do. I'm saying progressives really don't fight for their votes. The ones that do are the ones you guys criticize the most on the left, which is AOC, the Squad, and those folks. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, give offer them stuff that's against their own best interests? At least interest? look at what your opponents are doing. It's a freaking battle. So look at what your opponents are doing. If they're supporting what, Ted Cruz, even money? though they hate Ted Cruz, maybe that gives you a hint into how they look at you. Uh, I didn't know people in my state of New Hampshire voted for Ted Cruz. <laughs> that's the thing. It always goes to that. Is it's like people that I know are apparently supporting politicians who don't live in my state. <laughs> like, it's not really up to me if Mitch McConnell gets reelected or not. I mean, you can contribute something, can't you? I mean, if Bernie had that attitude, you wouldn't have had the awakening that you have today. Yeah, That's so you're proving You need point. to fucking write, bro. <laughs> like, write. <laughs> Keep writing. Hey. All right, hey, all right. You know what Kamala Harris needs to do? Kamala Harris needs to say to Joe Biden, Joe Biden, that little hunchback girl all fucked up on crystal meth. That little girl was me. And he's going to say. <laughs> all right. You so, yeah, black. Marcus Will, thank you so much for all of the, the super chats. Propaganda says, I personally am trying to advocate for a USA with no politicians. Yeah. That will take education <laughs> and ultimately revolution. We're not so, ready for that. There's a revolutionary like, there for you. I would yeah. like that, but we're not ready yet for that. Oh, wait, Franco, go ahead, man. Why aren't we ready for that? Because it's too much of a, like to, to um, quote Jeff's uh, channel name, it's too much of a bitter pill for people to swallow. And we need to evolve our consciousness more before we can have that. Um, at some point, eventually, I think we'll get that. But we're not ready for that yet. Uh, people so, are, we need like that one leader that's going to help like organize people together. A better, a better idea. Replace every elected official with just a random human being, just normal, <laughs> off the street, random. Hopefully, some of them are homeless. Like, oh. no, right, Reed, let me just like no, random sample. No. And what if you get, like, let me bring Reed in real quick to respond to this because you have the word capitalist in your title, so I assume you would be with yeah. me in supporting like more of a slowing effort because this revolution thing is going to go left. No, I think I agree more with the left than I do with what we have right now. Or, you know, like the people who, uh, with you guys at least. I mean, some of the stuff you guys are saying, I would say the exact same things. I don't, I don't, I think there's a possible future where we would have a stateless society and a free market where that means that you can have people 
uh, trading with each other however they want. You could have socialist societies, you could have capitalist societies, you could have an anti-authoritarian form of community where people don't violate each other's rights, they don't take each other's stuff. And what about they, a, de a direct democracy? That's from Jack Sith. Uh, he says direct democracy. So direct democracy. How do you control for corporations too? How do you control for corporations and like their power? Right. Well, you give them their power. <laughs> you take away all the states sponsored power that they have. Yes. Uh, that they use against people who are Isn't smaller. Isn't that antithetical to capitalism? Like capitalism, how, hmm. how would you still maintain it? Because you would still maintain it, right though? <laughs> Well, capital, uh, it, when you have free market capitalism, that means you let the market function. You don't uh, prop up these big businesses to take over entire swaths of industry. You would let people trade communally however they want. You know, um, you would have supply and demand determine how things are done, not bureaucrats in Washington giving tons of bailouts and, uh, yeah, tons of bailouts and, um, uh, subsidies to giant corporations to benefit the economy in the way they want. You would have a an economy that's representative of what the people want, not what a few people in Washington want. That's a good point. So you're kind of for a regulated market, a market that allows control for monopolies. Would one be able to say that? Um, I... There, there are kind of conflicting studies on, you know, how monopolies easily form. I think if you did have a free market and monopolies naturally formed that were uh, intrusive to free commerce, then, yeah, I think you could have a place for antitrust. But uh, in today's world, um, every single monopoly we have is backed by the state through IP laws right. and uh by bailing them out when we go through tough times and all the small businesses fall through the floor and big corporations are allowed to flourish. So I, I think in today's world, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, go ahead, Pierce. Uh, you have the last word on this. Yeah, um, just to talk about monopolies a little bit. So um, East Asian countries in particular, they have kind of more monopolies and don't care about them as much as we say we do. Um, but the thing is, they're more uh, what's... Instead of an individualistic culture, they have a more like kind of community culture. Like your place in society is kind of more like where you fit in the overall context of your countrymen. Whereas like I, I think in the U.S., I mean, well, I know in the U.S. we just don't have that kind of culture. So I, I, I would ask uh, our audience and everyone here, like, does it really matter like about monopolies if we just take care of our people? Like Korea, for example, they have these things called chaebols. And they're just like huge corporations that are in various sectors. Um, and yeah, I, I just want to say that I think these conversations, if we're going to talk about theoretics, you know, theoretics isn't action. It isn't movement. We're not like changing the system just by talking about it. But we're also not doing that by talking about, you know, these American politicians or talking about the horse race, the elections. So if we're going to have conversations that aren't going to make a difference in American politics anyways, at least let them be more substantial. A last thing that I wanted to add um, was, you know, before I met Reed, the smartest libertarian that I've ever talked to in real life, uh, they were talking about the, a the people. They were talking about the people that work in finance. So um, the people that control investment, 
like think about a world where there is free market capitalism, but the regulators aren't the regulated. I'm going to say that again because that might be confusing. The regulators aren't the regulated. If you have a like, have you ever seen the movie Big Short? Like, of course. At the one of the things that I think is so unfortunate about that movie, and my buddy pointed this out, um, the the libertarian that I said was that I was talking to. The thing that it does is it kind of does the run up to saying the regulators were the regulated, but the whole movie is talking about the people at every level that just had mal incentives to kind of mess up the economy through all of their aggregated uh, actions. But then the movie just kind of like ends and there's a black screen and then there's text saying like something about politics. Like politics is important in that aspect. Like when your politics, when your democracy, <laughs> democracy, when it leads to the regulated, the regulators being regulated, it kind of nulls the effect of that entire movie. I love the movie Big Short. It's probably one of my favorite movies, along with Inside Job, because I love that finance, economic stuff. Um, bachelor's in economics, by the way, just to brag. Uh, but yeah, it kind of shows you how you can you can shape a society using incentives, and we have shaped our society with shitty incentives. Therefore, we get shitty outcomes. Yeah, and I think I agree with that. Well, thank you guys so much for that. I do appreciate everybody who was on the panel. All of their links will be down in the description below. Thank you guys for joining me. That's it for the show. Uh, stay tuned. If you want to catch kind of our post-show, we're going to do about five minutes or so. Uh, check that out down in the Patreon. So catch everybody in the next one. Stay safe this weekend. Peace out.